Welcome to Breeder Syndicate. So we're pretty excited today. You know, we've been doing a lot of uh, early breeding talk, uh, trying to source some of the history of how we got to where we are today. We've talked about breeding techniques. We talked about a bunch of early 80s and 90s seed banks. Uh, we focused on Neville quite a bit because he was one of the largest seed banks in the 80s. Uh, and we're pretty excited today because... Uh, we have the other largest seed bank of the 80s, uh, the Super Sativa Seed Club, which was next to Neville, the biggest seed bank in Holland at the time. And lots and lots of famous strains uh, like William's Wonder and Beatrix Choice and things of that nature came out of their seed bank. And we're lucky in that the founder is still alive and well and was excited to talk to us. So we want to bring you a couple stage interview with Carell, who is the owner and founder of the Super Sativa Seed Club. And we're going to be asking him a lot of questions about the 80s, the style they were doing things, how he got certain strains, and really all the areas of interest we can think of. So this is kind of like the, the, the second big piece to 80s seed banks and modern breeding, and we're pretty excited. So here it is. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. So you are Carl. It's pronounced Carl. Carl, Carl, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Carl. Yeah, yeah. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you. You're you're a a legend in this business, and a lot of us uh, ha- would love would love to have this uh, opportunity to speak with you. So I, I, it's an honor. Okay, okay, take it easy, man. <laughs> I'm just a guy of flesh and blood. <laughs> yeah, same here. But it's 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 really cool to be able to have this opportunity to ask you some some questions about the history of SSSC. So, okay. where would you like to start? Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, yeah, it's, it's a long time ago already, of course. In uh, 1985, we started. Yeah, and in those days. Uh, yeah, we were squatters and we we, we we were like you are, man, really. Yeah. <laughs> we were activists and uh, yeah, our idea was uh, to, um, yeah, because in those days in Holland, it was not legal to grow. Yes. Yeah. But it was like uh, a little bit, uh, it, was not, it was not a big deal to do it and not, not many people did it. And yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, we started to grow and uh, actually um, we, we learned about uh, growing under uh, metal halide lights from people who went to the States and they saw it there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I worked in those days in a coffee shop, and uh, a friend of us he went to the states and uh, and, and and he saw how how you guys did this, and uh-huh. nobody in those days did this in Holland, and uh, so uh, I thought, yeah, let's give it a try, and uh, I think we, we were the first to, in Holland to to grow under um, under metal halides in those days. 
It was. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and then so uh, we were we are, we are we are looking to live close to uh, to the big horticulture centrum of Holland. It's yeah. called the Westland because in Holland it's really. We are the number one in the world in uh, horticulture uh, things. Yes. So um, yeah, yeah, we, we decided to to, to start this. Uh, the only problem we we, we had we, we didn't have any seeds. Oh, so how does how do you start sourcing your seeds and your lines? What makes you choose what you do? Yeah, because the thing is, in those days, uh, the, the the cannabis was only. Um, from uh, the tropical countries uh, yes and it was all seeded with a lot of seeds so if you tried those seeds in holland they didn't they didn't yeah, they flower, wouldn't finish. They didn't flower in time because we are quite north yeah. and then those the certificates are from the equator yeah and uh, so we, we we didn't have uh, success uh, really not and uh, but um, one of the guys he went to the states one of our friends because yeah, we, we needed seats and he went to um, to New York and uh, he had to a certain office I, I bet I don't call the name because it's yeah. not good for them yeah for sure <laughs> and uh, then <laughs> he said no man we don't have seats and uh, but he 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 said, yeah, but I come from Holland and I came specially to you to to pick up some seeds. And after one week, they said, okay, 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 we will give you some seeds. <laughs> <laughs> and those were the William Wonder seeds. So those came out of New York? Yes. That's yeah. fascinating. Yes. And uh, so then and we started to grow um, those seeds and then we, we, we had quite... Not a big success, but a little bit success. And after a while, uh, the famous Sam the Skunk Man, uh, you've heard from yes, him. Yes, of course. And he came to live in Holland, and um, uh-huh. and uh, he contacted he contacted us because he thought when I live in Holland, I have to be in, uh, in touch with the with the, with the seed guys. And Absolutely. We, and those days, uh, you had Neville of the uh-huh. seed bank. And we were the second one. Uh, so there were basically two seed banks in the world. That's right. Uh, and Sam, Sam, he came to, uh, we became in contact with him. And uh, he told us, um, yeah, and I come here to live in Holland, but I don't have a place to grow. And uh, maybe you can help me or uh, whatever. Yeah. And he said, hey, I have a nice collection of seeds uh, because uh, he, he did a lot of breeding already in the States. Yeah. And um, his his. Uh, his number one thing was skunk number one. It was really the uh, yeah the first variety in the world that really somebody uh, took the effort to uh, to inbred it and to 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 to, uh, to make a selection out of a big group and basically yeah. uh, so we, we we were very happy with those seeds and and he had something from his private stash as well and he said this is my private thing but there are only twenty seeds left. Uh, so he, um, um, yeah, he gave us a seat and, and those were the, the hay seeds. It was the, the hay seeds. Oh, so he sold you some of the original hay seeds. Yes. Yes. So, so he had 20 seeds and he gave 10 to us and, and he gave 10 to, to Neville. Because, so these were from the same batch, you and Neville's right, hay from seeds. Same batch. Same and batch. I said, the, 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 those seeds, they were already like 10 years old. And he said, this is really, we need to germinate them because, because, and, and, and I gave it to you because you understand how to do it, and uh, so we can yeah. save, the, save the seeds. And um, we were not really. Um, we, we tried the haze, but we, we we did not like it because it took too long to flower, and it was very small birds. And at the same time, we were very glad with the skunk number one seeds because we were used to the fluffy, uh, 
the sativas that were from uh, South Africa, from Jamaica, from uh, yeah. Colombia. So we were really happy to see the big buds uh, of the skunk number one. And the it was density really, and the yeah, resin. It was really a lot of resin and a lot of uh, smell. And uh, but we, we decided to make a cross between skunk number one and the uh, and one of the uh, the haze. The hazes we had left, okay. and uh, from this uh, cross we, we made a big selection, and that's, uh, then we, we were very happy to find uh, one with the correct correct the, the smell and the taste of the haze and, huh? and and the bud structure of the skunk number one. So that was really happy that we could grow hazes with yeah the, and thick thick fat buds. And the nice thing about this, I still have this plant, and it's now thirty five years old. And, uh, we, we we still have it, and it's uh, it's our flagship thing, of course. And uh, uh, we we have now based a lot of our crosses on. Uh, we, we we made it with this uh, old school haze, as we call it, and it smells like cat piss, and it's really a dark, earthy taste. But it uh, and it's a very uplifting high, and it's really. Uh, yeah, it's a really nice plant. It's very difficult to grow because if you make a mistake, if your room gets too hot, it starts to flower again. And it's yep. really a matter of, uh, of um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing to do. <laughs> I can't believe that that's still around. That's amazing. That's absolutely yeah. amazing. And you're still using it in your current breeding program? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and the amazing. Thing is, uh, we, um, we we stopped uh, with the super sativa seed clip after about five years because it was really too. Uh, it became a little bit too successful. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And, and in those days, it was really. Um, yeah, we were a bit a bit, a bit afraid of. Uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, the war on drugs was going on uh, really yes. strong in those days, so uh, basically we quit uh, the super sativa seed club. But I, I kept on growing and uh, doing uh, uh, doing cannabis uh, in all uh, different ways. And uh, like three or four years ago, my, my two sons, I have two sons, they are growers as well. And said, ah, let's do it again, man. Uh, why don't you do it? Because everybody knows you. And yes. uh, some people think you are a legend. So uh, do it again. <laughs> so we started again. And uh, and yeah, it's now uh, quite successful. And now uh, in Holland, we are also getting a situation of uh, of legal growing because uh, in Holland we have also always been on the forefront of the of the growing. Sure. But but yeah, we lost a little bit uh, because your guys are doing it very good, of course, now in the in the states and uh, in the legal uh, situation and and a lot of. Um, in a lot of states, so um, yeah, we thought Holland can't uh, can't uh, stay behind, man, because we are the ones who uh, <laughs> who exactly. built how to to do the cannabis thing. Yeah, uh, and now we are looking. At, we started a lobby in Holland, uh -huh. and, um, and we we also try to uh, uh, to change the law. We basically wrote a law together with uh, the Dutch government. Uh -huh. and and now there is going to be a, a big, um, like a, a trial, and the, the, the Dutch government uh, uh, has given out ten permits to grow legal for the Dutch coffee shops. Oh and, wow! And, and we were like, we were lucky to one one of the permits because 150 people uh, applied for the permit. I'm sure. And only ten permits. So. Uh, <clears throat> 
and uh, like from from 150 people uh, 100 didn't make it because the plan was not good enough and uh, yeah they were not because you need to to to, uh, to comply with a lot of rules because you need to know about cannabis you need to have the money you need to have to to, to grow on a big scale you need yeah. to good contacts with the coffee shops and we all have this so um, now uh, we are very happy because then we can do our breathing really uh, because we have done the breathing all ever, always in the illegal situation yeah. you know? same here so, so you can imagine that it's for us uh, difficult because we like to see it but it's also a little bit difficult to see that people like um, Exotic uh, Mike, exotic genetics is really uh, they, they can they can work in the legal situation now for over three, four, five years, and you can see the results. And um, yeah, he has a lot of people making seed for him everywhere, all over. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, and then in Holland, we we still have the, the like the the strange, um, difficult strains to grow with mm -hmm. with with the special turp. Uh, profiles and uh, yeah that's what we want to offer uh, something different because um, it's cookie it's cookies everywhere uh, nowadays <laughs> I, I surely hope you guys stick with some of the base old stuff because that's what we need nobody wants cookies anymore over here everybody's tired of cookies yeah really yeah because uh, over here it's still new <laughs> yeah it's still new over there right like it's yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. Novel it's, it's over also, there. Uh, and, and, and uh, like a, a strange, but also an, uh, a comic situation in uh, that um, we, we we went to the states to get the seeds. Uh -huh. Then uh, we grow. Uh, we did a lot of uh, breeding and things. Then we sold it back to the states. Uh -huh. And now uh, the states is uh, is doing very well. And now we have to go to the states again. To, to I'm take sure. Seeds back we, to Holland. <laughs> so I think funny. I think we can help there in that situation because we have everything over here, and and you don't have to fly out to get it. <laughs> you, you understand that? So that's uh, that's nice that it's going uh, all over the world. And uh, the idea of uh, of the Super Sativa Seed Club was because we were very po politically involved. Our idea was to to. Uh, yeah, to help the states is a little bit <laughs> strange to say, but we were in this position that we could do uh, uh, semi-legal things. And in yeah. those days, you had a lot of uh, people coming back from Vietnam. Those were our clients, you know, because they yes. they, they ordered the seeds from us and they, they were the ones who really... Uh, did a lot of guerrilla farming in in in, in the California where it's still going and the same place where it's now all going. Yeah. So uh, our idea was when when we sell the seeds to a lot of different people in the, in the U.S., there will be a lot of different uh, a lot of refrigerated yeah. refrigerators stocked with seeds. So for the government, it's quite uh, difficult. To stop this, you know, because yeah, it's, course. it's spreading everywhere. And, and in those days, you didn't have the internet. And uh, it's, if you live in a certain city, okay, you can uh, spread the seeds, give it to your friends. Yeah. But it's a bit difficult when you live in California to, 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 to make sure that also the people in Texas or Alaska oh, sure. have seeds. So we, we, our idea was to, to, to spread it everywhere with the idea this is not going to stop anymore then. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a beautiful idea. It's like Johnny Appleseed, modern day Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. 
Yeah, and also we did. We were not in for the money because we 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 did. We we, we really were in for the love of the plant, and we still are. And of course, the money was nice, but uh, because the, our business uh, model was a little bit strange because people from the states had to send money to to Holland. Yeah. Without knowing who who we are. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> and, and 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 then they had to trust us that we sent the seeds back to them. Absolutely. And the first few years, people were a little bit reluctant to send us uh, money because, of yeah, course. maybe we, who are we? Nobody knew. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so at one point, uh, people from High Times they came to to came to interview us because uh-huh. we we run the and 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 High Times, yeah. and they thought, oh man, this is really um, this is this is for real. <laughs> yeah. So they make it, they made a nice uh, cover story about us, and from those days, it really, yeah, it really exploded. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and then we got uh, we we got we got like um, people from all the from everywhere in the world ordering seats, and we thought, oh, this is really getting too big, and uh, we quit with this because uh, it was getting a little bit out of hands. Yeah, yeah, it got a little hot. Because in a lot of people uh, from Japan, from Australia, from Canada, from everywhere, they start to order seats because it was really the first. We really were the first ones to do this, and uh, yeah. so it was a big, uh, big success. And uh, we were um, Robert Colonel Clark. You know him as well, I think. Oh yes. He he told uh, also always the the wisest thing you did is quit with this. <laughs> yeah, we saw what happened with Neville. We saw what happened. It ruined his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's really. Uh, and now, um, now, now, um, yeah, yeah, we're still going strong, and we are still uh, loving the plants, and we we are still uh, very happy to um, uh, to make combinations with the new things from the states with our old stuff, and uh, a lot of things uh, turned out very well because we like to have. Uh, we like the layered taste, you know. Because oh yeah. If we do something with haze, we we, uh, we we can keep the the haze taste, but also we can combine it with uh, like Borrelia glue or whatever, and it sure. makes it really a, a a thing that we like. That it's not one taste, but a lot of different tastes in one variety, and. Um, yeah, and and uh, we are not so afraid of doing things like uh, twelve weeks of flowering. Uh, because sure. Yeah, a lot of people are afraid to do this, and they, uh, it's it's difficult, but it's really uh, worth waiting a few weeks extra. Americans are finally um, being more receptive to long flowering strains as of the past maybe two or three years. I've noticed hazes yeah. are finally starting to pick up in the u.s whereas they were never a staple here except in in santa cruz in the you know late 60s early 70s mid 70s um but nowadays people want that they want a little bit of that that trippy colombian and, and, yeah. and you know? yeah yeah because we, we also uh, we, we work together with ace seeds as well do you know ace oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's a, they, they, these are our friends as well and they're Very really good company they have they really have like uh, super strong sativas and 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 now like in in, um, in the legal situation in, in in the US I do not understand why people are afraid to from a longer flowery time because if you have the space to do this yeah I can imagine in the illegal situation when you don't have much space it's a bit. Um, 
yeah, of course, and I can imagine that you you want to speed up things a little bit. But but what I have seen always is uh, it takes four weeks longer to to finish, but mm-hmm. but the yield in grand is 30-40% more. Yeah. So at the end of the day, your results are exactly the same as when you grow short flowering varieties. Sure. Because the big, the the the, 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 the what we and Holland always say, the, the 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 modern American strains they lack yield, they lack weight. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why we try to make crosses with the new American strains to 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 get to make plants with a bigger yield. Yes. Because the, the sativas, you know how they how they flower. The 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 the, the birds are arm length. And yes, in, and in the uh, the cookies you have a bird, twenty <laughs> centimeters. You don't have anything. Another bird. It's nice, yeah. but it doesn't bring weight in the scale. <laughs> yeah, no. There's cookies is very low yielding, and yeah, the high doesn't last too long either. So a, a good haze hybrid with the cookies would be awesome. You know, bring a much better high to cookies that isn't there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I have some questions for you. How, um, do you have a lot of good um, a good memory for like where you sourced certain things or the history of certain strains that you put out? Yeah, no, no, not not not, not, not that, that's a bit of a problem because um, the, the old school haze um, clone we still have, uh-huh. and uh, I'm in touch with uh, in Canada a lot of people they still have the Friesland Indica. Yes, yes, it was very uh, famous. Almost yes. people told me that a lot of people from uh, 50, 60 years old now, that they uh-huh. started, when they started to, to smoke, they all started with Friesland Indica. It was over there, it was really a, 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 a big thing. Yes. And now, um, to, uh, today I talked with somebody uh, from Canada, and he, he knows a guy in uh, the US who still has the Beatrix Choice and um, M33, and uh, the, the the thing is, uh, in, in, in so many years, a lot of things happened. So to be honest, I lost a little bit track of where everything is now. Yeah. Uh, and, and and in those days, uh, we, we basically, uh, Sam, the skunk man, was, uh, he provided us with seeds. And a lot of seeds we, we, we just took from um, from the bags of wheat that we that we Yeah that we bought in the coffee shops. And, uh, and in those days, what oh, oh, we were, we had in coffee, in Amsterdam, we had a coffee shop, it was called Durban Poison. Yes. And they only sold um, cannabis from South Africa. Yes. So we made a lot of uh, crosses with the Durban Poison because it's just, uh, South African is also, it's far to the south in the world. So the, the flowering, Period is more or less the same as we have in Holland. Yes. So this was very nice to make crosses between skunk number one, uh, Durban poison, and then we and then we gave it a nice name, and uh, it was like a variety, and it was yeah. not a big deal because it was really. Um, we, we, we took the seeds from the bags and we grew them, and uh, we, we pollinated uh, the, the the one that we like best. And uh, we had a new variety because in those days it was not really inbreeding. Yeah. We, we did not really do that because, um, to be honest, the demand for our seeds was so big that we even didn't have time to do this, you know? Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. One thing that's been happening in the U.S. the past maybe 15 years since I've been around, I've noticed there is a... Um, 
and this this is unfortunate, uh, seriously unfortunate. But every two or three years, someone will come up and pretend to have a big collection of old SSSC stuff, yeah, and then sell it, and it's all fake. You know, yeah, yeah, that just yeah. happened with Beatrix Choice. Someone just popped up with fake Beatrix Choice. That's probably what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. That's not in anyone's collections over here. I, that I you know who Beatrix is, yeah? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 we've studied your strains for so many years. Um, the Williams Wonder Clone is still out here. That that clone really? is still okay. available. Yeah, there's still seeds. Every once in a while, you'll find Williams Wonder seeds that are pure. Okay, nice. Uh, M39. Still around, Friesland still around. It's also famous one, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because in uh, in Canada, I, I went to visit Canada, and then a guy he 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 showed me the Friesland indica, uh-huh. and then I was really like, uh, there is of course a lot of th- things happened all, in all those years, and yeah. the quality is, is becoming better and better, and, and it's oh, of yeah. course, um, I was not really. Um, very proud to see the uh, the, the Friesland Indica. I was I thought mm, this is not really, but <laughs> 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 we like those days and these days, you know. Yeah. But I think uh, it's more special are the haze things because the haze yeah. is really something uh, something different, and and it's also um, for me as the owner of the Supersativa Seed Club. It's sometimes funny that people tell me things. That I myself even don't know, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you can imagine that um, uh, because we had a lot of different varieties and yeah, for us it's different than than for for the collectors, you know. Oh and sure, it's really. Uh, but I I really like it to to hear that a lot of people are still trying to find the roots from cannabis, you know, because it's basically Absolutely. it's basically. Uh, <laughs> Uh, even Neville, uh, he, he, he of course did, did did a bit more than we did, and and um, because he was really the first one, and he yeah he, he uh, we were the second ones, and uh, it's all heads up for uh, Neville. He, he he's not anymore with us, and you know, and, yeah, uh, I, I was friends with him, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's an, uh, yeah, it's a pity, but uh, we, the nice thing is also that we uh, we, we we got some uh, of his last work in clone form. We oh, good. Have, yeah, we have the Outback Haze. Okay. The, that's the one he made in uh, Australia when he lived yeah. in Australia. Yeah, Kangativa, uh, Ian made all those for him. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was one of my good friends. We were all working together during that time. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we also have the Haze C. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, that's all, and, and we have also the NL5 uh, times Haze. Oh, good. The 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 the, the real the, the clone that he uh, he selected him from a lot of plants. I really don't know. Oh, oh. So like the is I think it's the A five or C five A five. No, 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 not the, no. The, the A five and the C five we, we also have. But oh, the, you do have those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it's the thing special. is, uh, um, I'm from Holland, and in the south of Holland, there are there is a group of people. Uh, yeah. Who, who still uh, have all those things and uh, they, they um, yeah and, and 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 in the haze world it's still a little bit uh, they, nobody owns this you know yeah of course <laughs> yeah people think they do people think they do <laughs> this is like uh, we are like uh, um, uh, activists you know we, we think uh, I, I don't believe in owning owning Grains and ownings. Absolutely, I agree. 
<laughs> not everybody agrees with this, but uh, no, not everybody does agree with that. Um, yeah, like and you I, mentioned- of course, and I, of course, I, when somebody uh, puts a lot of effort in in breathing a strain or working a strain like many years, then he can, then I consider it that he owns it. Yeah, correct. If it, if it's <laughs> if it's long bred and selected and a lot of work put into it, right now Gorilla Glue is going after everyone. Yeah, and, and also good. at the point when somebody is selling. Uh, in a seat uh, bank, uh, a regular seat. Yeah. Then I own it as well. If he sells yeah. it, to, <laughs> I think. Yeah, exactly. If, opinion, you right? it, if you're buying it, you're buying the genetics, right? Yeah, because and, and if you don't want to uh, sell the genetics, you have to feminize it or whatever. <laughs> and even then, I mean, if someone feminizes your your feminized seeds, then you're just that shit out of luck because you've sold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm not really busy in protecting the genetics and uh, sure. And then uh, maybe, uh, uh, because I also want to ask your questions, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because how, how, do, we think, do we see things happening in the States like um, that people are trying to protect strains or genetics? Yeah. People are trying to patent feminization techniques that they had nothing to do with creating. People are trying to patent strains as quickly as they can. Trademark um, strain names like Koji Kush. Uh, uh, names, but 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 names it's a different thing because yeah names different but the plant varieties we're we can't patent patent them yet but there are many people at the forefront of that trying to get it the second that it uh, happens and it'll be a problem it'll definitely yeah, be a problem that, how, how, what, what are they tr- trying to do then because uh, in, in Holland you have like um, uh, because we have a lot of horticulture uh, flowers and everything sure. and you can you can you can patent of you can you can own a strain. As long as it as it is different in a lot of aspects than any other strain, sure. And the second thing you have to do, you have to be able to reproduce it. Uh-huh. And that means if you have a hundred seeds of this strain, all the plants have to be the same, uniform. So an IBL uniform, right. and also and if the next time uh, you show them, they have to be the same again. Yeah, I don't and, think uh, anyone in the U.S. except for maybe CSI Humboldt and yeah. a few others. Uh, uh, 707 Seed Bank, there's only probably two or three people who are capable of uh, even producing seed lines like that, let alone. So I don't think many people are really going to be getting the patents. There's some uh, breeders up in BC that have been doing it very seriously and big for a long time that'll probably um, be looking for that in their country. Because to give you an example, if you uh, like in Holland, we have a lot of big seed companies, uh, tomato seeds and everything. Yeah, yeah. if If you buy a kilo of tomato seeds, you're buying 50,000 seeds. And if you grow the, those 50,000 plants, they are all 100% the same. Yeah, uniform. Uniform. Exactly. And there is not one marijuana strain around that is uniform, you know? No. it's And, and I don't know that marijuana can be um, brought to uniformity because environment takes such a, a, a big factor in, in expression. Yeah, and, all, and and also of course because of the multi multi uh, multiple uh, hybrids. Exactly, the poly hybrids. I, I I know for sure that in the cookies there is something from us. Oh yeah, I guarantee it. Uh, and, 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 and for sure there is some skunk number one in it. Yep. Because Sam the skunkman always told me everything. <laughs> I think we know exactly what cookies is now. It's very it's it's a simple simple little. Um, Thing, but to break it down to its base components, it's going to be something like skunk one, Afghani one, 
like yeah, super fun types. And, and I like it. I really like it. The, the, the smell and the taste. And I really uh, uh, want to say uh, good work by guys who did to the guys who did it. Yeah, but it was it, an accident. But it is of course difficult to to make this uniform because yeah. in in the cookies, let's say the cookies, there are maybe like twenty five different varieties. Oh yeah, easy, easy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And those yeah. for like the skunk number one is all is already uh, those already have like five, six yeah. different, uh, varieties in it. Yes, and, and then you bring in more parents with all their backgrounds and grandparents, and, and then that it's is just a hybrid. The hybridization is like uh, uh, there are one million strains. Yeah, I think <laughs> exactly. I try to keep it to the when in my work, I like to keep it to a baseline, like a base Afghani or a base something like that, you know, yeah. and cross it to, it may be a polyhybrid. So it yeah. brings that down dramatically, you know, like I, I, it's easier to breed yeah. and, and line breed from it and select. Yeah. And at the Supersitiva Seed Club, we are not uh, really uh, putting a lot of, uh, of, of efforts in, um, in inbreeding and everything because sure. what we like is um, when I buy seeds, I like to do pheno hunting. Yeah. And pheno hunting, uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's the nice thing. When we make a cross with uh, with our haze, then you will find a lot of different things. And one of the plants is really something special, you know. Oh, sure. And, and that's right. That's what I, what what I like. And uh, the, the the big LPs, they yeah, they they they, they want they, they try to sell to buy seeds, and then they think then we have a uniform crop. But I always. Tell them, please, man, do pheno hunting and yeah. look for a nice mother and go from there. Yeah. Because so I have, a, I, have a, I have a quick question for you. Um, there's been some myths and stories over the years. One of the stories that came up recently and someone made a seed company off of was uh, saying that they were breeding for you in Virginia to make your skunk one. No, that's not true. That's not true. I didn't think it was true, but I had to ask because it's a no, lot no, of people. No, the, the thing that uh, Sam the skunk man, he made the, the skunk number one, and he yeah. made he made it in California, and he was really the first guy in the world to uh, to, to 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 grow in a big greenhouse and to do real um, to do real um, breeding, you know. Yeah. And and and, and uh, basically, the, the skunk number one, the original one, is. Um, there are basically two phenotypes: one with the, with the pointed uh, bud and yeah. one with the round bud. And the smell and the taste—they were all uh, really quite uniform. Sure. And that was his work. And uh, in Holland, in those days, uh, all the breeding was done with skunk number one because it, yeah. it, it gave you a big, thick bud, and uh, it was really. Uh, it's it's skunk number one in the eighties and the nineties was in every plant. Yeah. Um, can we ask you the history on Beatrix Choice? Because again, you brought it up earlier, and it's one that people like. Is there a certain history on it? No, not so? really. The, the, the only thing is, to be honest, I really I even don't remember. Uh, uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> the, the cross, yeah, yeah. The, the cross that we make, we made. The only thing is that we remember we. Why we put the name on it? That, 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 that's what, what I remember. What was the name from? 
Yeah, because it's, it's Beatrix is the queen of Holland. Yes. And uh, so we thought uh, in those days, we like you, like your T-shirt, man. We were, yeah. we were like this in those, in those days. And we had one, Victor Barn. Do you know Victor Barn? Victor Barn, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a nice story to tell because uh, in those days, um, we had in Holland the Lockheed affair. And the Lockheed, that was uh, like uh, the company who, who built airplanes. Oh, Lockheed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the Lockheed. So our uh, the the the, um, the husband of our queen was Prince Bernard, okay. and he was he was a, like a naughty guy. He was uh-huh. doing he had a lot of different wives, and he was doing a lot of different things, and and he he made a he made a deal with uh, Lockheed, and he said, "I will make sure that the Dutch government is going to buy your airplanes." Okay. But, you have to pay me $10 million for this. <laughs> <laughs> and look, he, he, he did that. But has this, this Prince Bernard had to use a fake name to open a bank account to put the to let Lockheed put this $10 million on this bank account. Yeah. And he used the fake name Victor Barton. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> so that's was like uh, a little bit like this with them, you know. Yeah. I love that. You're telling that we can't grow wheat, and you're doing uh, this kind of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm very politically active here. Yeah. Um, uh, our government is very, especially in California. Certain areas of California are still very illegal. Like a lot of people don't know that. Like they think California, they think legal state. Um, I'm in a part of California that's the Bible Belt. So okay. despite any laws, our county yeah. has overridden the laws. Yeah. And if you get caught growing, you're fucked. You go to fucking jail. You're done. You know, so we, we're still very politically active here trying to fight uh, a lot of that. Everything's still done. Very clandestine black market in most of the uh, states. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I know. I know. I, I know. I, I'm very good friends with the people of Humboldt Seeds. Uh, oh, yeah. And they always tell me, oh, man, everybody thinks it's legal, but it's still it's, it's, it's not legal at all. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> Scary yeah. in some places. Yeah. yeah, so now for me, the circle is a little bit round because I started this, this thing, more or less. And now I'm very happy that, I, that I'm part of um, the, the group that got the permit to grow legal in Holland, you know? Yeah. For, for me, it's like uh, the circle is round. So what you just saw there was you saw the first part of our interview uh, with uh, Corel from Super Sativa Seed Club. Matt, I wasn't unable to make it. So Matt did the first one. Uh, we had a series of follow-up questions and ideas. And so Corel was kind enough to come back and chat with us again. It's possible this might be ongoing. But for now, we have a two-part series. So the first was Matt. The second will be primarily me, although Matt might be in it for a minute. And after that, we'll have some commentary where we talk about what we learned and what we were excited about hearing. Matt and I and a lot of others, um, you know, we read the we read the catalogs. We talk and talk about various things, but we're all a little younger to have actually experienced like basically you and the seed bank kind of starting off like. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this one. Okay. <laughs> nice. Kind of like, you know, you, you and, and Neville at the seed bank, you, you two kind of started off what we consider to be like the modern seed era, right? Like okay. uh, before you, uh, we were really curious as to like certain questions, you know, for instance, um, you know, you, you mentioned before, uh, when did you, when did you first start seeing like Americans come in and bringing their seed lines like skunk one and, and the Durban or Afghani one or these different things? Yes. Um, um, uh, we, we started in, in, in 85 and, um, yeah, um, yeah. After one year or so, this, uh, Sam the Skunkman he came to Holland to, to live in Holland, and uh, yeah, he he wrote us a letter because uh, we were running an ad, an advertisement in uh, in High Times magazine. And Neville and the seed bank did it as well. So Sam thought, yeah, when I go to Holland, I let's uh, hook up with those two guys and uh, let's talk about seeds and. Uh, yeah, I, I told uh, Matt last time. Uh, in those days, we didn't have much sheets. Uh, the only sheets we had were from uh, from bags of sheets that we, that we bought in the coffee shops, and it was all uh, sativas. And uh, so, uh, basically, um, Sam the Skunkman brought all the sheets from the US to Amsterdam. <laughs> And of course, uh, the, the, the next one was uh, Robert Donald Clark, a friend of uh, Sam Skunkman. And after that, a few more came. And uh, the, 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 the nice thing about it is that the, the seeds came from the, the US to Amsterdam. Then we started to send it to uh, the US again. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's again uh, that we uh, look into the US uh, to buy seeds again from, from you guys. <laughs> Yes. It's um, we were first more liberal than you were. <laughs> yeah, in '85, the, the, it, it, it never has been uh, legal uh, to grow uh, in Holland. But in '85, in those in the beginning, uh, no, not a lot of people knew about uh, cannabis, and they, so uh, basically uh, we had we could do what we want because nobody knew about it and nobody. Uh, even the police didn't really, really take. Um, they let they let us do what we wanted to do. You know, it's it's. Uh, and in Amsterdam, there were a few uh, more. Bernard Browning, of course, he was the, really the first one uh, with, uh, with the seed bank. But he 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 didn't uh, seeds international. It was yeah. only for, for Holland, and he was really. Um, yeah, he, he's older than me as well, and uh, he um, yeah he 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 also. Started the first uh, coffee shop, mm-hmm. and the first grow shop. Is and, it Depositronics? Uh, you're referring to Depositronics, yeah. yeah. And then the the, co- the coffee shop is the Mellow Yellow, and uh, he he's still around. He he um, he invented more or less um, not a Rick Simpson oil, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. He calls it Medi Weed, Medi Weed oil. <laughs> And um, yeah, he has a good. Um, he really does a lot of good work because um, he basically introduced um, to the Dutch uh, patients how to make your own oil. That's because awesome. He, he wants to teach the people uh, 
how to do it. He, he wants that everybody earn independent, earn independent from pharmaceuticals. You need to make your own medicine. And I and I'm fully agree with it. Yes. So Absolutely. he really um, uh, he, he's still around. And uh, yeah. to co- come back to the question, um, Sam the screen man, he's really the man who brought everything to uh, Amsterdam. Really. Yeah. Did you have any interactions with uh, Keys Hawker from Lowland Seeds? No, no, no. Keys Hawker, he uh, he's older already. Yeah. He, he, and no, 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 no. Because the thing is, um, they they um, they try to uh, to push the. As we call it, the native wheat, basically growing your own uh, backyard, and we were more. Um, we thought ah, the Dutch is too cold and too rainy and too wet, and uh, let's go indoors because we, we we saw it. Yeah, we saw it happening in the U.S., and we were um, um, we were readers of High Times magazine. Yeah, and we, we were lucky enough to have an, uh, the American bookstore in the Hague where we live. So we went there every month to to, to, to buy the, the newest copy. And That's so we, 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 were, we saw the, what, what in America was going on. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's more or less um, how we started. For us, Skunk One and Haze and, and those type of things are very, very famous strains. And they kind of became like the backbone of what you guys were doing over there for a while. Yes. What was it like to grow those things at first? We were very happy, especially with with the skunk number one, because um, we we were not used to see this kind of big buds and uh, yeah. stable uh, st- stable genetics. Because um, yeah, you can imagine if you grow uh, outdoors at all, uh, sativa strain from uh, the Ecuador. Yeah, it doesn't flower. It, it flowers in this in December. And in December, it's cold and rain and snow. So we didn't see. We we, we never. Ever ha- has seen even birds, you know? Yeah. So uh, th- th- this was a big game changer when he came with his uh, stuff, and especially uh, the skunk number one and the haze. He-, he gave us ten seeds. The last seed he he saved from his favorite variety, and he gave the other ten seeds to Neville. And um, yeah, we didn't pay too much attention to the haze because it, it was long flowering and it's only very very small. Birds. And it was really, we were so happy with the screen number one that we almost forgot about the haze. <laughs> luckily enough, we, we made crosses between the screen number one and haze. Yeah. Uh, because we had 10 plants. And uh, yeah, we, two, two times we were busted by the police and they, they took all our hazes and we, we had only one left. I even don't know anymore if it was a, if it was a boy or a girl. But oh man! We, we already made the seeds with with, um, with skunk number one, mm-hmm. and I, I still have a, a lot of seeds um, that we made between crosses between our ten hazes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I tried to germinate it, and it really doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah. the, the problem was I, I I I kept them outside the refrigerator for ten years. Yeah, and I I put them in the refrigerator, and I now I, I still have them. So maybe be some of your listeners. Yeah, tissue culture. Yeah, because uh, in my opinion, uh, a seed when there is only one cell alive still. Yeah. Basically, you could reproduce it, but 
if the government, uh, I don't think they want to help us with this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if they find in a seed of, uh, of wheat in a pyramid in uh, in, in Egypt, yeah, we'll make sure that this is going to work again. Oh yeah. <laughs> but with cannabis seeds, uh, I still uh, we still have to find somebody who can help us because I think the you you, you know what I mean. Eh? The, the, oh yeah, tissue cultures. Some life somewhere in the, those seeds still. And of course, it would be nice to uh, to germinate it. I, I gave it to a few uh, people who told me, I, we, we, we will manage because I know how to do it, but no, yeah. never. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, but that's a pity, of course. And, uh, and to, to come back to your um, German poison. Yeah. In those days, we had in Amsterdam a coffee shop. It was called the German poison. And oh, wow. The only thing they sold was uh, wheat from uh, South Africa. I don't remember the names anymore, but uh, the, 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 the major thing they sold was German poison. And yes. that's also why we, we had quite a few crosses in our uh, first catalog with German poison, because we, we, bought seed, we bought wheat from them and we picked out seeds. And together with skunk number one, all the crosses, all the crosses with skunk number one gave us more early flowering, bigger mm-hmm. earth, and a nice uh, smell. So uh, it was basically um, uh, a winner combination in Sativa with, uh, with, uh, with the skunk number one. Well, do you remember what any of the um, smell profiles of the different skunk number ones that you popped back in the day were like? Yeah, this, the, the, the skunk number one was really uh, like the name, uh, tell, the name tells it all. It, it stinks like skunk. <laughs> oh, so back then it actually smelled like skunks, like North American skunks. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, to be honest, I never have sm- smelled a skunk animal. But, <laughs> but it was more about uh, the, 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 that it was so strong. It was really strong, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, in my uh, haze that I have, you can still smell in the back. You smell the uh, the, skunk, the, the, the the strong smell of the skunk number one. Yeah, and then together with the with the with the haze, it gives you like uh, there's a lot. The the, the, the the old school haze is a very funny plant because if you make an analysis of it, there is all uh, there's only terpene. That's the only terpene that's in it. Yeah. And not too much as well. But if you smoke it, it's really the strongest smell and taste that I have ever seen in wheat. So yeah. That's a big mystery. And our knowledge about terpenes, how is it possible that the plant with only one terpene and not a lot of it can smell so strong and taste so strong? Yeah. Do you know the answer? I don't know. I don't know. So basically when you first got it, it was skunk number one was an early finishing, big bud, very pretty. It smelled like a skunk. Yeah. Did it yeah. smell like did it smell like citrus too? It was no, there No, 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 not at all. No, 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 no. It was more the dark side of the like the earthy, um woody uh, yes, yes. It, it was not no 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 not any sweetness, no not any uh and a citrus in it, no. Because what what we're familiar with is as as younger people is skunk number one smells like floral. It smells sweet. It smells. So you're saying um, that what what Sam brought over first is very different than what ended up being common in Europe later as skunk yes. number one. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because skunk number one, there are still a lot of seeds bank uh, around. 
and they 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 think or they 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 they, they know I don't know that they that they still have skunk number one, but that, that there there is no skunk number one anymore. It, the the only skunk number one that is around is very diluted. Nothing to compare with. Um, with with the skunk uh, number one anywhere. Maybe I'm uh, maybe when Sam the skunkman listens, uh, he he tells that I'm wrong. But I have never seen it. There is there is no skunk. There is no real skunk number one anymore around. No. That's interesting because when he went there, he gave seeds to you. He gave some seeds to Neville. It yes. sounds like he gave some seeds to Warnard from Positronics Mellow Yellow. Um. What was the what was the little was the community in Amsterdam then? Did everyone know each other? Because yes, so- yes. The the, the 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 thing is, we didn't live in Amsterdam. We still don't live in Amsterdam. And there wasn't the, the Amsterdam scene was more about uh, outdoor growing. Um, and then and and and, and we, we I think we were the first ones in Holland to grow indoors, and uh, and when when Sam Sam teached a lot of people how to grow in a greenhouse, and uh, since Sam arrived in Holland, uh, people uh, started to grow in greenhouses, because. Uh, you, you could do it without a lot uh, of trouble because uh, nobody knew about how it smells and how it looks and uh, basically. Uh, the, the the first five years that Sam was around, a lot of greenhouse uh, growing was uh, going on, and he he basically teached everybody in Holland how to do it. And we we didn't grow in a greenhouse because, in our opinion, uh, we thought better to do it indoors, and nobody can see it, and no, uh, it's more safe to do it. But that, because it, at the end of the day, uh, all the all the greenhouses were always always busted. They, oh. they, they could do uh, one crop, maybe second crop was already uh, boosted. Because Holland is a small country, and there is no countryside at all. The greenhouses are all always close to a village, close to a town, with a lot of people around. Uh, Holland is a lot of people live in one square mile. In really half the country it seems like you reclaim from the sea you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um besides haze and skunk what else did you get from sam uh, uh no we, we, we did not get anything else uh neville uh, he get uh, he got like early pearl early pearl from rob maybe yeah, early pearl and uh, a few other ones, but also we were not uh, we were not uh, too much in, in touch uh, with Neville because uh, Neville's approach was different than our approach. Uh, we, we were underground people, and uh, we were not really um, too fun to to receive a lot of people we don't know in our house, and then, and in those days Neville had the. Uh, the cannabis castle and everybody more or less was welcome over there. And especially when you came with a lot of money to buy seats, everybody was welcome. Sure. <laughs> and we were always more like, hmm, uh, let's, let's try to keep it underground and uh, let's, let's try to uh, do it in a, in a, in a more more or less safe way because we were, we didn't uh, want to have, get called and we wanted to go on in this business for forever, you know. And uh, Neville was more a daredevil and he was like, uh, uh-huh. uh, I don't know who came to his house anymore. I, 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 I really don't know if he 
<laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of Americans in those days, they came to Amsterdam and uh, everybody was welcome at Neville's place. <laughs> we, we, we were more careful too. Besides Sam, where were some other sources? I, I, in the previous conversation you had with Matt, you told that a lot of stuff you got, you were getting off seeds from buds out of coffee shops. Were yes. there any other people or sources once you started making Super Sativa Seed Club, were people coming to find you and trade no, seeds no, with yeah, you? No, no. Yeah, but they were they were coming to find us, but they couldn't find us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only the only one who who could find us was uh, uh, Ed Rosenthal and George Cervantes and uh, and the uh, the chief editor of High Times, Stephen um, Hager. Stephen Hager, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. And th th those were the only three people who could visit us because we were really like, um, we knew what we were, we, we understood what we were doing, you know? <laughs> so then that, that leads me to another question. In your catalog, <clears throat> you have something called Oakland Indica. Yeah. And I'm just curious as to where that, where you got that or where it came from. Do you know? I don't know it because a few times um, because we had a lot of clients, of course, and we 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 received a lot of letters in those days, and a few times uh, people sent us uh, seeds, but not only a few times, and I think uh, because Oakland that that it was somebody from Oakland because in those days we got like a hundred letters every day, you know, and it was yeah. Really it was really fun for us to read all those letters, and also uh, we um, we asked people uh, to help us to to to, um, to distribute the seeds in the U.S. And uh, just we were just reading the letters, and we thought, "Oh, this guy is a nice guy because he understands uh, how it works." And he understands. yeah, so it was a really a nice job for me to read all these letters. And to answer them as well, because we, we even uh, nowadays still get letters from people from from the old days, and they said, "Ah, nice to see you back." And uh, do you remember that we bought this and that from you? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's really uh, really funny. And uh, when we started again a few years ago, we got a letter from uh, somebody, and he says, "Now, yeah, nowadays Mother Nature is legal in the U.S." and <laughs> <laughs> and then we really thought uh, a guy who, who who writes a letter and says, Mother Nature is legal now, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it used to be illegal, but now we are happy that it's legal. And that were, those were the letters that we really liked, you know, of people who understood how crazy it is to make Mother Nature illegal. Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, what do you got about the Durban Thai High Flyer? Now, that was one of your most famous lines. Yeah. Uh, we still see it around today. Do you have yeah. any memories surrounding it? Yeah, that it's, that this was a very uh, sativa, uh, pure sativa, of course, and also um, uh, because of Durban is so in the south of the world that it's mm -hmm. almost in the same latitude than Holland is, but in the yeah. north. So the flowering times. They are more or less the same than our flowering time because yeah. we our 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 harvest our, our autumn starts in September, yeah, 
and then also the the the, the winter the, 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 the in harvest it's getting colder so uh, we were lucky to have the durban uh, flowering so early the durban was a very was the is the one sativa that's sort of an early finisher yeah so so it worked well in holland Yes, and 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 the combination with uh, with the Thai because the Thai is a very very late flowering. Yeah. Then then it, then it's finished so like half October or something, and that's nice for us, of course. Because in October, yeah. sometimes when you're lucky, the weather is still good. Yeah. But but our uh, the, the, our main customers in the U.S. were, were the people from California, the, yeah. the Vietnam veterans. People yeah. that flew back from Vietnam, they started to do the guerrilla farming, and they really they, they made money with it as well. So they they they, they sent us a nice amount of money. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, really. yeah. Well, no, yeah. Well, I mean, from our perspective, um, you know, back then, especially indicas and things like that were pretty rare. Yeah. And you, uh, even though California and America, there was. Um, there was, you know, there was a lot of things going on. People didn't know each other. So really like one of the most interesting things about what happened with you guys for us is that, um, you know, like you were saying before, a bunch of stuff flowed from America over to Amsterdam, over to Holland and went everywhere in America. It went to the South, it went to the North New York, it went to the Midwest. And that was our goal. That was our goal. That's why we did this, because we thought uh, in those days, yeah, there is no internet, so your 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 friends live close to you in the same town, so you can swap seats with your friends. But it doesn't spread the whole country, you know. And then, and since we were we're starting, we got letters from everywhere: Alaska, Texas, whatever. And then, so we thought when all the refrigerators in uh, the states are filled with seats it's a difficult thing to stop it uh, those, this movement no. what about the what about your what about the creeper or the kyber pass yeah the the, the, the creeper the creeper the, we, we called it the creeper because it was really um the plant uh, it was not upright but it was laying down more or less it, oh that's why i always assumed it was the high but it was no, 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 no. It was not. It was not about the high. It was really about the the morphologic uh, aspects of the of the of the plant, because normally a plant is like more or less like a Christmas tree, but this one was like bending over and laying down, you know. And uh, uh, I, I I still like this kind of uh, plants because they 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 give you a big harvest. Yeah, they get wide. <laughs> room for buds, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, and and the guy, the 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 Kyber that was uh, we, we crossed it with an Afghani, um, I think yes, because Af- Afghani that the, the, in Holland it's uh, the hash from Afghanistan was really very popular, and um, I don't know where we got the seeds from, but did you guys ever grow flowers for coffee shops, or did you just focus on seeds? Yes, 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 yeah, we, we did, yeah, 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 because uh, we, we did, we, we, we were growing for the coffee shops as well, yeah, yeah, because uh, we, they, they liked our uh, indoor wheat because it was quite, it was new, and um, in those days we, um, we were worrying a little bit about the fact that our wheat was green. Because people uh, they were used to to buy a can, uh, marijuana was always brown, 
so half rotten wheat as we call it now and 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 our indoor um, uh, marijuana was green so we thought oh nobody's going to buy this because they they, they don't because green the, the only green marijuana we knew was the was the nader wheat and that was the wheat that we grew in our backyard and uh, it didn't have birds it was only leaves and it was green so we were afraid that people thought our wheat was a nader wheat. Uh-huh. So, so we tried to make we tried to make it brown to <laughs> to, to to be able to to uh, to sell it. But uh, after a few, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe after a year, everybody said, "No, no, no, the green one is the best one. It's much better than uh, than the brown one. Uh, no, don't worry about the color. We buy it anyway." <laughs> so. Yeah, it was really that was a, a really a funny thing. Yeah, that we really we were really worried about the green color. <laughs> they were really worried because it was so. Because the part about that is that everything was so new. Yeah, yeah, that was new. It was new, and uh, the the first Sinsemilia that I saw in Holland, uh, that was somebody. And then one, one year, we had, we were lucky enough to have a, a good September in Holland. Normally, it's raining in September already. <laughs> But in, in, in this September, there was a lot of sun. So in the coffee shop where I worked, somebody came with a garbage bag full of big birds and they were not trimmed at all. And then I thought, where does this come from? Because this, I we really didn't, it was the first time we saw a green big bird plant, but this, this was also, I think, a dermal poison or something, that he was lucky to grow some Durban poison seeds in a year that we had a very good, nice September. So the plant was able wow. to, to finish. And that was really the first time that I saw Sinsemija, as we call it's it. That, it's been. One of you got into weed was by working in a coffee shop? Yes, I worked in a coffee shop when I was like 18 years or 19 years old. And then one of the our customers came to uh, to me and he said, "I, I, um, I, uh, I, I, I'm a reader of High Times magazine, and I saw how they grew how they grow plants already because Ed Rosenthal was one of the first to start all this, I think, in the U.S. And uh, he, this guy said, I, I bought an, uh, a metal halide lamp because we we have a, a big horticulture center here in Holland." And in those days, the, the the greenhouse grower, they, they used it to grow cactus, the metal halides. And he went there to buy a lamp and he said, I want to grow, uh, um, I, I want to start to use it. And I thought, oh, I live in a squat house and uh, let's do it. So that's how it started. Because this guy, he he, he didn't, uh, he, he was a reader of High Times magazine, he saw it in High Times. <laughs> so when you so most of most of super sativa seed clubs uh work was all done indoors whether you were growing buds for coffee shops or whether you were making seed for your yes yeah, yeah we, did, we did everything you kept it inside yeah, yeah yeah and that was all because of um um yeah we did it was it is too cold it's too cold in holland you know and in a greenhouse it's the holland is too crowded to grow in a greenhouse and it's uh, no everybody got caught always in a greenhouse <laughs> so are we growing in your did you have garages were you growing in bedrooms did no, you no convert it? 
No, we, we, we had garage and we bought a, at one point we bought a house specially to do it. <laughs> and um no, no, we and, and I know those we were squatters, eh? You know what squatters are? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And, and if you are a squatter, you always have a house, eh? Yeah. So you 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 squatted in the house and then you set up some lights and you set up some rooms to do breeding and grow weed and you sold the weed to the coffee shops and yeah. you sold seeds catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and we were, we were squatters, but we earned a lot of money. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, yeah, and but, but so we, how- we were not in it for the money, man. Because it, but it was nice to have money to, to that, that a lot of money came to us, of course. But it was not really our um, the, the, the the basic thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing for us is that now. Um, you know, there's so many seed companies in America and there's a lot of seed companies in Europe and everything like that. But when, when you guys started and when Neville started, there was really only you two, um, out there that was easy. Like you said, if you went to Positronics, if you went to Holland and went directly to certain coffee shops, maybe you could get some seed, but in order to order things, there was only two. Yes. Really. And so that that your that your company stuff and Neville's company stuff got spread so far and wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but when Neville stopped, um, Sensi Sheets took over. Huh? Took over. And uh, they they bought uh, basically. That's how Sensi Sheets started. Eh? They bought Neville stock, and then uh, they started under the name Sensi Sheets. And uh, the, the Ben Dronkers, the the. the the one that's the guy who started this. This is really a big, um, a big um, thanks to Ben because he was really the guy with the biggest balls. You know, he 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 um, went on where we, where we started, where we stopped. <laughs> so, do you think that um, ne- did Neville sell his company to Ben and Allen because of the trouble he got in? I think so. Yeah. Did you were in the community back then? Were you ever were you like was it a small enough community that you were close to a lot of these people? Yes, yes. But the thing is, uh, I said before, uh, we were not really uh, we were we, we had our own group of people, and we were not we we didn't live in Amsterdam, you know. So, so I um, you didn't live in Amsterdam. You lived in different. Yeah, yeah. We we lived in the Hague. It's good. It's, uh, Close to Amsterdam, but so uh, we, we, we 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 try to st- we, we, to be honest, we try to stay out of the um, all those groups. Tried to keep your head and stay quiet. And yes, that was the idea. Yes, that was the idea. Yeah, yeah really. And uh, we were not like uh, behaving like rock stars or something. We were just uh, we were just quarters uh, running a cannabis scene business. <laughs> so how did? Um, how did how did like Jorge Cervantes and Ed Rosenthal? How did they find you? Did they yeah, write you? Yeah, yeah, they sent us a letter. Yeah, they write it because in those days uh, you you wrote letters to people. Sure. Yeah. You- <laughs> and you put a, you, and you put a stamp on the envelope and you put it in the mailbox. That was <laughs> maybe it's a good idea that we go back to this uh, kind of. Uh, Communication then, <laughs> because uh, yeah, nobody can listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Did they? Um. Did they? Did they bring seeds too, or did they want to just come uh, out? No, no, no they didn't bring seeds. No. 
No, but, but I have a nice anecdote about uh, George Cervantes because he came to visit us and uh, he asked us to uh, to show around um, to show uh, to to show him the, the, the Dutch greenhouses because in those days the Dutch greenhouses they they were growing under a metal under HPS lights uh, that we had greenhouses with. 10,000 HPS lights in it. And he never, he didn't ever see this. And so we, we gave him a tour and he came up, he showed up in the tour with a nice t-shirt, cannabis, USA, California. And he said, hey, no, 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 that's not how it goes. You have to put uh, uh, put on some uh, some different t-shirt, man, because we can't uh, show you around in the greenhouse wearing this t-shirt. And he said, oh, why that? It's legal in Holland, isn't it? No, no, no! It's not legal at all. Everybody thinks it's legal, but it's it's it, it is not legal. So um, we had to teach him a little bit uh, how to behave in Holland. <laughs> we we had the same we had the same issue in uh, in California where I live when medical first happened twenty years ago. A lot of people thought it was legal, but yeah. it really legal. It was it was kind of like Holland. It was permitted, but yes. you could still get in trouble anytime. Yeah, because like, I, I know a lot of people from California, and they still they always tell me it's still illegal, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's still it, illegal. <laughs> it was still whether or not the cop wanted to be nice to you, yeah. they could treat you any which way they wanted, and it was kind of the same about Holland, I'm sure too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it all depended on the attitude. Yeah, yeah, and it's, that's why we we try to keep it a little bit uh, underground because of uh, we, we wanted to go out with this, and then I I wanted to I I'm I'm, I'm having a family and everything, and I was really uh, I'm not that ki- type of guy who wants to be in the big pictures. <laughs> me, me either. I feel you on that. Um, it, uh, so after you started breeding at Super Sativa Seed Club for a while, and you realized that you got popular. Did you start keeping a lot of breeding males and breeding females? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, we had like a nice collection of uh, of males and females. And in those days, we did not do uh, the feminized breeding that didn't exist yet. Sure. So, so it was not so very difficult the breeding that we did. So we we, we sometimes uh, did a little bit inbreeding and uh, in, uh, but not too much. It, it was more. We, we, we basically did female hunting and the, the the best ones we liked we crossed with each other and um yeah and everybody was happy with the seeds because for for a lot of people uh, our customers was it's either nothing or or something uh, from Amsterdam that really gives you nice flowers nice nice uh, buds and and then people uh, sent us photos and sent us letters and they were really uh uh, the photos they sent us, they were really nice photos and uh, everybody was happy. <laughs> it was really nice. That, that's yeah. awesome. So how many, how many people were involved in your, in your company? Yeah, we had, we were two people uh, two, the, the, and, and uh, like four or five people helping us. Yeah. Like a little collective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, at, at the biggest part of it, how many houses did you have or how many how many different places were you growing? Uh, like five, six different places uh, uh, to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did not do the, the because in those days there were all, also people uh, who were really uh, after five years or so. A lot of people uh, came in to 
they, they rented big warehouses and uh, put 200 lamps in it. <laughs> but we, we, uh, no, we, 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 we did it on a, on a, a smaller scale. Because we were, we were not growing that much wheat, we were more, more growing seeds in those days. You know? <clears throat> I mean, there's a there's a lot of, you know, you could call them American seed companies these days um, that exist just like that. It's yeah. some basement. It's a few bedroom yeah. house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can answer that. Yeah, because I see a lot of uh, people. They 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 have some clones and they make crosses and uh, and and a new seed company is born. Yeah. <laughs> Your skunk haze. Yeah. Really old. Yeah. How long does it flower for? 12 weeks. And then, and then the better do it one week of uh, 13 weeks. 13 is better. Yeah. And um, how did it, I mean, 35 years old, I'm always fascinated by how things survive because yeah. for us in America, it seems like every five or 10 years, uh, the weed, the the seed game reinvents itself, and you can't get what you used to be able to get. So, yeah. um, did it? Did it? Was it just so such a nice cut and there's such a nice plant that various people saved it and passed it around? Is it something? Yeah, it's, 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 it has been always in like two or three uh, places, and, and uh, like you, you said, it, it was more like a, a group of people we we worked with, and. Um, yeah, it's still around, and uh, and and, and we, we all we, we let them. Uh, we, we have our mother plant when it's like uh, three or four months old. We take a new cut, we throw away the old plant, and we start from with a little uh, clone again. And uh, a few friends of me of, of my they have it, and then yeah, because you can you can imagine in thirty five years there are lots of things happening. Oh. <laughs> so, Really, <laughs> we, we are proud of we are proud of it uh, to still have it, and uh, we, we are now working on um, on trying to, um, to, uh, to 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 breed it. Uh, uh, we are working with a few American varieties because we like the from those days uh, we like the big firm buds with a lot of resin. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it lacks a little bit of flavor, a little bit of taste and smell. And now we are trying to put the smell of the old school haze and the high, preferable as well, and the taste into a new and into the American rights. And that takes a while, but it's really interesting to see a plant that grows like a cookie or something. Mm-hmm. American style, and then with the old school haste, taste, and smell in it. That's that's a thing that we are working on. And maybe people, uh, some people, tell, yeah, why do you do this? Uh, you try to keep it uh, like it is. But I want to, because at the end of the day, a lot of people are, are going commercial these days, and uh, it's nice to have a big yield, of course. <laughs> but. Uh, also, um, a fluffy bird is nowadays considered like B quality. A lot of people mm. don't understand that at the end of the day, you grumble your, your bird, you put it in a paper and you smoke it. So it doesn't, it isn't really a big deal how the bird looks. I agree. The big deal uh, is what? taste and how it works. But 
Uh, you agree and I agree, but uh, a lot of people, the, the I also wants something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, with um, and the way that, that social media works now, a lot of times the only things that people see of different buds are pictures. Yeah. And so but these buds might look very ugly, even though it might work wonderfully and make you very happy and it might yeah. take great. You can't tell that through the picture. Yeah. No, because like, because now, nowadays if I, I if you have five like five different varieties and four of them are American things uh, and one of them uh, is uh, a sativa thing and everybody says oh the sativa thing we don't uh, we want to, we don't want to have it because it looks strange for us strange <laughs> and especially uh, because I'm sixty three or years old already so. Uh, and normally, it's, I think it's normal that the younger people like other things, but we, we also want to show things from the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, for instance, you know, it's really interesting because for us, Skunk One, you know, to bring it back again, is very, very, very different from what you experienced. I don't yeah. think I experienced Skunk One like you remember it. No. Time that we got a hold of it, what you remember was gone. Yeah, and yeah. that happens a lot. Where if you don't have old things, or people aren't saving old cuttings, or you can't get old seeds to sprout, then yeah. the way people remember something, it's just gone. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. how long yeah. ago did you get excited again about maybe you could restart Super Sativa Seed Club in a new form? Yeah, yeah, but we we, we already started it, but but we we, we don't sell in the US anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because those were the wild days. Yeah, nowadays it's uh, it's not a good idea to sell something in the U.S. from Holland. No, not yet. It could yeah. change. We're slowly yeah. moving in that direction, yeah. but because uh, we, uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Dutch Passion? Yes. Yeah, because we work together with Dutch Passion. These are friends of us, and they they are this is really a very successful seed company, but they don't sell one seed in the U.S. And if you know that uh, half of the visitors of the website comes from the U.S. Yeah. But, but uh, we don't sell one seed over there. It, it, you know, it, uh, hopefully that will change in the yeah. next four or so years. Yeah. It looks like America. It's we're still too complicated in the U.S., man, with those uh, federal uh, laws. And uh, it's really not a good, a good idea. And uh, no. No, but maybe one day uh, things uh, change and then we can, uh, because because it's of course crazy that half of the visitors of a website, it comes from the US. It comes from the US. Yeah. They want to buy seeds, but we don't do it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I understand. Um, when, uh, so is, is uh, so basically you, you're making stuff for the Holland market now. Um, yeah, you were European market for European market. Good. You were talking in the in the previous interview you did with Matt, you were talking about how you sort of like recollected some other hazes besides. Yeah, yeah. yeah because now the, 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 I'm in a good position, of course, to I know a lot of people and uh, I know all the haze hats from Europe, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, you're certainly of, of that generation that, uh, yeah. you know, probably known these people for decades. Yes, uh, yes, and 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 and, and we are happy that uh, a lot that the Hays people uh, always are the people who really understand uh, how important it is to to save things, 
and, uh, and there is still a lot of stuff around, you know, because we have uh, um, like five five different loans still, and uh, other people. Which they, ones are they? Uh, we we have the old school haze. We have the NL five times haze, and we have the haze C and the haze A. And it's not a boy, as everybody thinks, but because we have the girls. <laughs> and um, we have the Outback Haze. That's the last thing Neville uh, made. The last thing made. So yeah. the Haze the is the famous boy? Yeah, no, no. The thing is, uh, the, the, there is a lot of confusion uh, going on always about the Haze's boys and girls. <laughs> but what we have is uh, the Haze uh, A and the Haze C, and it's both girls. And it's really, uh, yeah. And uh, I'm, um, of course, you have the A5 and C5. I personally don't have it, but my friends have it. And it's really, when we want to use it to make a cross or something, we can have it. But it, it, it's, it's a group of people and everybody knows each other. It's from the south but of when, home. But when, you, when you're talking about the girls that are A and C, you're not talking about A5 or C5. You're talking no, about no, different... No. That's different plants, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's really the, um, especially the haze. Um, the, the the one I like best is the outback haze. The outback haze. Yeah, because the outback haze is really the the, the incense uh, smell, and it has the incense smell, and it's uh, it, it makes you high, totally high. It's really when you smoke it, then uh, then you think, um, hmm, I'm not stoned at all. And then half an hour later, you think, huh, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so do anything, but <laughs> where was a, I? That's a female you got from friends, or is that a female oh, and we, we, we got it. We got the, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think you know them. Uh, she's called Miska. Miska. Miska is a famous activist here in Europe. She's from France. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's an older lady, and she's really an activist. And she was the best friend of Neville, and Neville gave this to her. And uh, since she passed away, uh, she, she, Neville passed away. Yeah, she gave it to us also because she's older. She's quite old already, and then she, it's like what Sam did. You gave it to somebody who know who. Who can handle it? You know, who know who knows how to to save it. Are you planning on doing some breeding with some yeah, of these? Yeah, we are doing breeding there because we, we are now doing uh, breeding, uh, but that's um, feminized breeding because when you have two girls, there's no man, there's no male, so you no. need to you need to do feminized breeding, and we have now we have two. And still, yeah, I think it's going to be a successful project because we, 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 when you're breathing, you have to establish a few goals, goals already, not too much. But our goals are always the high, the smell, and the taste. Those are the, my top three. Yeah. If you nice uh, of course, it's nice when there is a lot of resin uh, to be seen, but we don't go for flowering time or something. No, no, because now we we also can do some breeding in legal situations, so then we don't have to worry about the flowering time. Right. Yeah, because a lot of people uh, uh, DNA genetics, you know them, of course. Yes. Maybe they are also friends of us, and they, they said, "Yeah, it's, it's nice what you're doing, but it's going to be." Um, 
a problem to sell those seats because in those nowadays people don't want to spend 12 hour, 12 weeks 30 weeks waiting for their harvest anymore it's changing i it think i hope so because when you're growing legal like you guys can do this there why why, why should you bother about the flowering time yes <laughs> no, it's for a long time, they were right. People didn't want things that went longer than eight to 10 weeks. Yeah, because they would have to run with, with, the, police on, with the police on their heels and yes. to make sure that it comes in fast. But there's a lot of people now that are willing to do 12, 13, even 14 week strains if they're nice enough. Yeah. People are getting excited about it. And also uh, regarding uh, uh, weight, the extra three weeks will give you 40% extra weight. Right. The best, the best yielding varieties are the sativa varieties. And we, are, they, we all laugh a little bit about uh, them. We, we're sometimes making a little bit fun about the new uh, American strains. We like them, but they don't yield. No. No, there's a lot of them that don't yield. That's very true. Um, uh, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. So They don't. Um, you know, they, uh, so your, your skunk haze, the haze in it is from one of the 10 seeds that Neville, yes. that, that yeah, Sam, right. took a long there, time is nothing, there, there is nothing closer to the real haze than the skunk haze that I have. Because most people, it seems like most people in Holland ended up using a lot of Neville's hybrids of haze. And yes. those would be a lot of the one, the cuts that got saved. Yeah. But. As a result of that, that means that most haze is only from one or two plants. Yes. So yes. you third, you have you have haze that's not even his, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, because the the, the difference between uh, our haze and Neville's haze is Neville Neville did all the his crosses with uh, Northern Lights, and we did it with screen number one. Mm-hmm. And Northern Lights, that's you can also see in like A five and C five and all those. It's all um haze with northern light in it and northern light is not really a plant with a nice taste it's like a metallic a metallic taste and it's really not uh, there are not the, the turps in the in the in the in the crosses that never made are not so nice than the turps in the in the skunk haze because the skunk was a really turpy plant so we were so ready you, that our there, line our line is with skunk number one and Neville's lines are with with uh, northern northern lights and northern lights came from the U.S. Are there are there coffee shops and stuff like that where where people can still get your skunk haze on any kind of basis? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, still, it's still available. Like if people were to go to, you could yeah, find yeah. it. Yeah, lucky. It, only a few people grow it because it's uh, complicated to grow. Eh? Really need to uh, to have your climate under control. And in an illegal situation, it's not so very easy because then you need to work with airco uh, airco uh, units. You know because uh, the, the the skunk haze when the temperature uh, rises above twenty eight Celsius, then they start to run the birds, and that means then it gets very fluffy and sometimes you get like thin branches and then you start mm. again. And when this happens after eight weeks of flowering, again, 12 weeks of flowering starts. And then it's, then we're talking about 20 weeks and that's too much. Eh? <laughs> that's what uh, we so 
so if it if so you it, really if you really know how you, it's really a very difficult plant to grow. If you have too much nutrients, they start to stretch and they start to do crazy things. So and, if, you, uh, if you do it the right way, it takes twelve or thirteen weeks. Yeah, and and the Matt. right way is not one hour above twenty eight degrees Celsius. Not oh. one day. No, no, no. When you have one day, when when your airco breaks down or something, uh, it's gone. <laughs> it's yeah. gone. Yeah. So you you uh, what what excites you about your new uh, your new venture with Super Sativa Seed Club? Are you working? Are you working with your son? Are you working with? Yeah, I've I've worked with with my son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two sons, and yeah, and 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 also um, we we are we are. Um, we, we are very close to get the permit uh, to grow in Holland uh, legal. legal. And, uh, yeah, because now the, the, the Dutch government issued 10 permits uh, to grow legal for the coffee shops in Holland. And we were lucky enough to, to win the lottery. <laughs> because oh. it, was a, it was a lottery. 100, 150 people applied for the, for the license. And only 40 went through the first round because you, you need to be able to grow a lot of wheat. You need to have money. You need to have the skills to do it. You need to have the contacts in the coffee shop. And we all have this. And uh, then basically there were 40 people left. And then they they made a lottery. And we were lucky enough to win one of the 10 permits. So when you win it, does that mean that at some point in the future... Like Matt and I could fly to Holland and we could buy Super Sativa Seed Club weed at coffee shops. Yes. And it would be branded and we'd know it was from you and you grew it in a legal facility and then you'd sell it to like Damkring or somebody like that. That's the idea. Yes, that's the idea. (laughs) That's got to be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still, uh, it, 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 it will take because uh, now it's a government basement, so it takes a little bit longer. You know, as you can imagine. Sure, can <laughs> we are waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> but at one, uh, one in a few weeks or months, we will get the permit, and then uh, it's very finally do it uh, in a peaceful way because. Uh, that's that's uh, it's a lifetime of waiting for that, huh? Yeah, because that, for me especially, it's uh, very nice because then the circle is round, you know. Yeah, uh, California is the same way. It's just become legal, but a yeah. lot of money, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, a lot of government involved, a lot of permits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but we've lucky enough to uh, to have the example of Canada and the U.S. To tell our government, uh, if you want to make this a success, don't make the same mistakes as they did in Canada. So, because in Canada, people from the black market can't be involved in this. But here in Holland, we told the government, without people from the black market, this is not going to be successful. No. The people from the black market, they know how to do it. And basically, where does the government can get information from they can't you can't read the information about this kind of things in the paper so you need to talk with people from the black market we basically helped the government to to make this happen you did you worked with them. our government is wise enough to understand that they don't can do this without the black market 
So then when, if they make it legal, will you mostly be going in greenhouses, like traditional? Yeah, yeah. We will do a combination of greenhouse and indoor growing. And indoor growing. All organic, eh? we'll be 100% organic. Eh? Yeah. You call it bio over there. Yeah, uh, it's bio here. Yeah, it's called bio. Oh, bio. Yeah. So, yeah, then the circle is around and uh, yeah. So, I mean, if, if, uh, if you want to wrap it up here, that, that, that's wonderful. Um, I thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to hear these stories. Yeah, let's keep in touch. And, uh, You're an amazing interview, man. You, you know your shit. I love it. All right, that concludes Nato's part of the interview. Um, so right now, we're going to go over some of the highlights of the interview, things that we, we picked out and thought were very, very unique and uh, otherwise important to, to highlight. So let's talk about some things. Uh, well, probably in no particular order, but one of the really interesting parts for me was hearing him talk about the imported weed from South America, uh, from South Africa uh, mm-hmm. and Durban. And that, you know, you and I have talked a bunch in the past about how we thought most of the Durban in Amsterdam came from what Mel Frank gave to Sam Skunkman. Sure. We uh, thought that's what proliferated most of what was being used back then. Right. And so while certainly that that was proliferated over there and plenty of people sold it and bred with it. Sure. Now we find out that there was literally a Durban poison coffee shop that yeah. Corel and others were getting bag seeds from seeded cannabis from Durban uh, and using in their own work. So yeah. it significantly widens the gene pool of what we thought. And it also could lead to uh, where, you know, Mel talked extensively about how his uh, Durban was much more anise, much more licorice in flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not sure why the Dutch bred it in the way that they did. Yeah. But with that tidbit of information, it's possible that his was anise. And yeah. so there's an anise side to Durban, but then there's also a more terpenaline leaning uh, Durban that came from South Africa and was found in seeded weed. Yeah. And that could account for the vast differences between those two Durban families. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's all kind of gotten the same classification. But as we know, just because it's from the same region doesn't mean it's smells it's remotely the same. Yeah. No, not whatsoever. So that was that was pretty amazing information because we've us and others have assumed for a long time. Yeah. That most people were selling the same Durban poison. Yeah, that was fascinating. Uh, one of the one of the points that I thought was really interesting, and it's something that's been kind of uh, mythical ever since SSSC kind of you know moved away from the scene. In that you know there was a lot of rumors building up about why that happened. Um, there were people coming out and saying I worked for SSSC and I was SSSC America, or my uncle, you know, or my uncle's bred certain lines for SSSC in Virginia or somewhere in America. Um, I thought that was fascinating to hear that there were no Americans involved in SSSC um, because that's been a, a rumor that's built up and many, a few at least companies have been started off that. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's uh, more than, more than one person has sure, had sure. claims of that level. So it was interesting to hear that while they did source, uh, uh, stuff from America, like apparently, as we heard, uh, Williams Wonder uh, came yeah. from New York, which is pretty cool. I'd never heard that part before. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, and, and obviously, he talked about all skunk coming from California and the mm-hmm. Sam Rob group, you know, yeah. to them. Um, but it does seem a little bit like Neville. They collected 
they collected some things and he, he talked, it was pretty cool how he talked about people would straight write him letters. Yeah. And that's how he met, made most of his American connections was people like Ed or whoever writing them letters and wanting to come see them. Can you imagine uh, just being able to write in a letter being like, Hey, I, I'd love to come visit. And all of a sudden, bam, you're there. You're at the campus yeah, or castle. People are sending guess. in seeds or buds. So yeah. America certainly contributed to what they had to offer. Uh, but apparently, I mean, he said, you know, all their breeding was done in five or six homes, basically, yeah. uh, you know, that type of thing. The other little tidbit that's not really like seed specific, but makes a lot of sense was, uh, you know, when he talked about how easy uh, it was to get busted in greenhouses yeah. because all of Holland is highly developed. And so a greenhouse is in a neighborhood. Yeah. Um, in a and living in, Mendoza, living in Mendocino County and anybody that lives in the Western part of America, we're pretty spread out. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of remote rural areas. There's lots of places you can do things. You can buy property where you can get away with it. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty, it was interesting to, when you think of a society that's so much older than ours and they've just populated every good part of the land. Yeah. And so yeah. there's really nowhere to hide. So for them, in order to not get busted, um, it was, I mean, he basically said it was like you were one and done at most of those places. One of my favorite parts was when you were interviewing him and he was talking about, maybe you can uh, go over it a little bit more because you were doing the interview, but when he was talking about the green bud and, and not being able to sell green bud because it wasn't what they were used to. Oh yeah. If you see my face on the video, I think yeah. my eyes are probably as big as saucers because <laughs> one of the things that's interesting in talking to like the, you know, what we've talked about is like the pioneer generation. Yeah. It, you know, we, uh, is, you know, like Rob Clark and some of these guys that were writing the Bible for breeding is just how new it all was. Yeah. And so to think that in the mid eighties, as they first grew weed for themselves, that was the first time any of them had seen green bud. Yeah. Because brown and gold or red or various yeah. kinds of cure or whatever, that was the standard. There was no other kind. Just oxidized. They might not have even known brick. that it looked that way when it was fresh. Yeah. How and so that? They, gr they grow homegrown and it comes out the way homegrown does. And they're not even sure they're going to be able to sell it because no one's ever seen it. I'm sure they didn't um, even know if it would get them high when they first looked at it, if it was so different, you know? I mean, so that just goes to speak to the level of pioneering that they were trying to have to figure all this stuff out. Yeah. The other part that's just a little tidbit, but I found like endlessly amusing, honestly, uh -huh. is that obviously... In a in American weed culture, we can kind of trace a lot of strains um, back, but then there's like a nickname, you know, where NL5 Skunk One doesn't stay that way. It gets nicknamed something else. Sure, something maybe this NL5 Haze gets nicknamed Dog Shit or Electric Boogaloo or whatever. Yeah, and so you know we have this whole countercultural thing in America of relating our strains to various pop culture stuff that's current for us, right? Yeah. And so to hear that whole story about Victor Barn oh, yeah. and, that was the, cool. and the way that <laughs> and the way that they that who, whose name it was and this hustle and how they had to have a name to deposit all these millions, um, obviously not knowing Holland, you know, culture yeah, like that. Yeah. I never had any idea that that was related to anything like that. But it does tie in to the fact that weed people have always had kind of a knack to pick funny tongue-in-cheek kind of names for weed yeah like you know? the the, choice he said that was kind of like a fuck you to the queen of holland that's fucking yeah, awesome. exactly so How punk rock is that you know so it's yeah i mean so both those things both those names 
um, that tradition has continued throughout the decades. People are sure. always coming up with clever plays on the culture that they're in. Yeah. And so while, you know, Holland weed culture and American weed culture is obviously quite different. It was pretty neat to hear that they sh- we share that sort of, you know, and on top of that too, I'll just say as a general sense, uh, everything he said about his attitude towards weed and their approach towards things and all that, like, I pretty much agree with. I mean, it was obvious yeah. talking to him. His heart was in the right place. They were pretty countercultural people. They were trying to get away with it. They were trying to overgrow or change things. Yeah. Um, and that you was know, my my favorite part that endeared me to him was his yeah, political and, activism nature. You know, even even for I mean, obviously there was a financial component for him him and sure. Neville doing what they were doing, but in a way, it started a countercultural revolution. Uh, the reason why people are so interested in Super Sativa Seed Club is because so many legends exist of weed grown in Canada and America of those strains by people yeah, that absolutely. they bought from them. So yeah. they played a pretty big role. Them and Neville are really the two groups that started spreading all this seed everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that that's pretty important because they laid the foundation for what came after. I mean, it's also, it was also interesting because we've already, you know, we, we always wondered, but hearing how, when they saw what happened to Neville and they saw Green Merchant and they saw the international police pressure, that that's what made them decide to disband for a long time yeah, uh, and not continue because they saw, you know, the price that a lot of these pioneers paid to do this kind of stuff, um, you know, was, uh, was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, Another thing I want to mention just before I forget, uh, and that this might be really pertinent because it's kind of experiencing a resurgence, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, when he was talking about his skunk haze. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so first of all, that's another piece of, of evidence that, you know, there was at least three people that seemed to get haze from Sam skunk man when he came over to Holland the first time. Yeah. We have, Um, we have Bernard. Neville yes. and Carell. Correct. And, and, you know, they all, you know, their stories all are all similar. It was interesting to hear that, um, that maybe there wasn't even that many hay seeds given out. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe that leads to the fact that he didn't bring over that, that many. Yeah. And was kind of hesitant, you know, and only wanted to give out so many before he could make his own breeding and increase it again. Um, but if we were able to talk to him about it, it would, it would actually answer a lot of questions. So hopefully in the future, he, he'd be into it. Yeah. And one thing that I think for all the modern haze freaks out there, because with the A5 and C5 sneaking out and a lot of people breeding Cuban black haze and NL5 haze, I think is having a, quite a bit of a resurgence as PIF or church or different things like that is how he talked about how this skunk haze that they've had for 35 years. If you grew it uh, under, you know, in American American terms, 82 degrees, uh, you know, if you grew it cold, it only took about 12, 12 and a half weeks to finish and it formed nice buds. Yeah. But let it creep above 82 for even an hour or two. And you've got a running long sativa 20 plus week. It would add another eight weeks, a couple months. so wild, man. And, And so they, you know, it was really interesting to hear that because... There's a lot of people playing with hazes right now. Sure. And if that holds true, uh, I wonder if people ran rooms in the low to mid 70s and were militant about keeping it that low. 
Yeah. There's a lot of people that run CO2 in their rooms. There's a lot of data yeah. out there where you might run your room in the low to mid 80s mm-hmm. to get VPD, yeah. you know, or to 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 get more use out of your CO2 and try to rapid fire. Yeah. And that might be the exact bad approach for yeah. running some of these old hazes. Yeah. So maybe if, like if you know people are listening and interested and you have hazes, uh try running them in the low to mid 70s. Yeah. And see if they form a little different and see if they finish faster because the difference between 12 and 20 weeks is a lot. Yeah, that's tremendous. <laughs> that is tremendous. Yeah, you know, so it's it's also interesting in that you know, maybe we can eventually get to work on some of his stuff over here, but most people's haze stuff comes from the plants that Neville found. Yeah. Uh, and so it was crazy to hear that the skunk haze that he has is a survivor from a haze seed that he found. Yeah. So uh, it's not haze A or haze C. It's not right? haze A or it's haze C. It's, 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 it's another haze that is now trapped in genetics that maybe could be used. And a lot of the Absolutely. issues with haze are inbreeding because there's only a parent or two. Yeah. So at, when you only have a couple parents being used and mostly C, A is still way more rare to even use. Yeah. Um, third parent adds a lot more genetics. Yeah, it sure does. That's a good so, direction and potential. So it's pretty interesting. Maybe, you know, he's been talking about during that interview, they're starting up the the company again and they've got some initial work coming out. So uh, that that made me quite a bit more excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, about anything that uses that plant, because the other thing, too, r- relative to that plant is I, I thought his in, his talk about how different Skunk One was in the mid 80s yes. when it first arrived than what it became later on. And yeah. a lot of people have considered that skunk one has been this consistent thing. And we're used to citrus or grapes or, uh, you know, maybe some cheese or funk. Yeah. Uh, but he said it was kind of rank when it came over. So that that does. I wonder if that holds true to to st- stuff that Sam, Dave had uh, said about breeding out skunk, breeding out the actual skunk, skunky smells, I should say. I mean, there's not that many people we can talk to that were growing skunk in 1985. But yeah, the other interesting part about that is that obviously that skunk haze that he talked about contains that raw, more raw skunk one. Yeah, it's an in addition to a double and another haze. The other side of it is this, you know, um, maybe before it was hard selected in that direction that we're all so familiar with. Yeah, it could be like closer to something like an Afghan haze. That could be really rank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was interesting tidbit because you have mm. so few people you can talk to about what was mid eighties skunk one like. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And he obviously bought it and bred it and sold it. And it was a big part of his catalog and the years they were in operation. So uh, hearing his opinion about how mid and late eighties skunk was vastly different than what came later was to me, at least confirmation, you know, that, uh, that you know the state that things were in i thought it was i was pretty cool when um i think we were talking about friesland friesland indica where he was very honest and said he wasn't really stoked with where he's seen friesland been taken now as as it's been grown and bred and f-gened like he wasn't really stoked with the current offering of friesland out there i mean you know i i understand from his perspective like absolutely 
One thing that's certainly true is with Instagram and other forms going on these days is that that's the way that a lot of people interact with a lot of cannabis. They never get to try. Yeah. So looks have become incredibly important. Yeah. You know, uh, and you know, so you, you go to the looks of some of those eighties and nineties strains pretty rough. Yeah. There's some of them a little rough. You know, there's this pretty, pretty rough. They might not be the most resinous. They might be kind of leafy. They might look kind of fugly. Yeah. Put that next to like, you know, um, some kind of very modern, very gorgeous looking plant. Yeah. And by looks alone, it kind of looks like you're, you know, you're drawn in squiggles or something, you know, yeah, it's for like, sure. for sure. Finger, uh, but, you know, but, but it also reiterates that like, you can't, you can't look at effect with your eyes. Exactly. So it could be a super, there's a lot of haze out there. That's kind of ugly, mm-hmm. uh, but it works really good. I mean, there's a, there's, fa- there's famous haze in New York that gets sold Brown. Yeah. And in modern times, it's not very easy to sell brown weed. No, but that but name it tastes, sells it. That name, but yeah, sold but it, it also it tastes great and it works. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the smoke is great. You know the yeah. fact that it. I mean, even so, you know, uh, you know, we had this, we had this cut that you know, uh, my friend helped make that the the chocolate diesel, right? Yeah. And it, and it was a combination of chocolate tie, mm-hmm. crossed to the ninety one, and then crossed the sour diesel. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy too. Like he, it, it was legitimate old, like eighties chocolate tie smuggled yeah. in type stuff. Right. And eventually it got lost because it was super potent. It was like top, super tie, super chem. It knocked you on your ass, but it cured Brown. Yeah. And people hated it. Yeah. For that look, that look, uh, even chem four, um, chem four can sometimes cure to like, a very light brownish. It still looks the resin and all that. And the bud itself looks amazing. Um, but people don't the like old, brown. The old clockwork orange mom was the same. We called it orange, not because of the flavor, but it was more because mm-hmm. of the actual color of the plant when it was done. You know, it was more of a golden orange brown look to it. It was unique in that sense. But really, I mean, you know, you, you talked his interview is not that much different than in what a lot of us have who have bred in various houses and various ways and tried to get sure. away with it here and there. Um, you know, and they were just grabbing the best stuff they could at the time. Some of them were straight strains. Some of them were bag seeds that they found out of good weed and coffee shops, yeah. which is how a lot of breeding in America happened too later on as well. A bag seed, uh, has ruled the game for, you know, and, uh, and so it's cool that things are opening up uh, and we can talk to people like that who have such a vastly different experience of starting then, um, yeah. you know, maybe we can get some more, you know, if things open up a little bit more in America and over there, there could be some actual like more closer collaborations Yeah, because obviously there's been a lot of illicit flow back and forth between the Dutch and America and Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, but it would be neat to be able to one day to actually do it. Yeah. Uh, because we each have some pretty amazing things and we have some different lines and we have some things that segregated from each other over yeah. time. Uh, you know, you talk about him being able to go to Canada and there's, there's some super sativa seed club stuff that still exists. Sure. Uh, and they might be able to get it back. And then, you know, that hmm. brings me to another part though, was when I was talking to him and this might've been um, actually a private conversation, but it was, it was talking to him about 
the people that have made whole companies off of selling um, illicit, not not illicit, but like unreal reproductions of Super Sativa C Club just to market on the name and move seeds fast. And when he was talking about resourcing genetics, that's going to be a problem. That is an actual issue now that so many people have made different Super Sativa Seed Club repros, and it's going to make sourcing a little harder for some of it. Well, we, we've talked about this on previous podcasts in the sure. sense that uh, it's really only the last maybe five or six years that there's been a massive resurgence in trying to find ancient and original beans. Yeah. There was a big era where everybody wanted new, new. Yes. Uh, and the old stuff was most of the stories were pretty honest because nobody cared. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. And now, now that things have legalized and things have opened up and lots of people have kind of the same things, uh, there's been this massive explosion of, I found these seeds in my old connections dresser, my yes. grandma's freezer, my this, my that. These have been faithfully re reproduced and not just SSSC, but every yeah, old exactly. legendary line you can think of. There's dates associated with them. Some of them are super early. Uh, Too early. And it makes yeah. it. Yeah, it makes it really hard to, to sift through yeah. um, and find the real um, because there's there as people get more excited about weed and people get more excited about the history and stuff, they're going to they're going to want just like we do. They're going to want to try some old pure lines. Yeah, uh, I would love to dig through everything from the seed bank and SSSC. Uh, sure. now being my yeah. age and knowing what I know now, it would be yeah. amazing to dig through all that. Uh, and so, and so people pray and, you know, it's kind of like the roadkill skunk thing where, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's a market demand for certain things now. And so there's a market demand for old. Yeah. And so hopefully some of his old stuff legitimately did exist. Yeah. Um, but I know, I know a few reproductions are out there that, that are legitimate for some of them, but it just goes to to say that it's cool that that people are getting so into researching cannabis to the point of really getting into provenance and, and stuff like that. So it combats that because if, if stuff like that doesn't sell, if these if these guys who are doing these reproductions that you're it's pretty obvious, usually when these guys are working. Yeah. Their game. They're I mean, really it, might be obvious about it. it might be obvious to us. It might yeah, be less true. obvious to others, depending on you know, uh, how, how in tune your scamdar is or whatever, but that's true. I yeah. do think that for most people, you know, there's a lot of strains. I'll be frank. Like I went to a lot of Amsterdam trips. I bought a lot of seed. Mm -hmm. Uh, most of it was not keepers. Yeah. Uh, I did find some cool stuff. Certainly others found some elites that have survived to this day off the same lines that I bought. Yeah. But even back then it was a total crapshoot and there was, yeah. there was a lot to not be impressed by. So uh, you know, him looking and being honest and being like, oh, the Friesland, it wasn't, it's not so nice. Yeah. Um, but still, if it is real, yeah. the cool part about it is, is that opening up the gene pool and adding genes that have been lost over time and aren't being used, we have too much overuse yes. of too few lines in cannabis right now. So a lot of 80s and old things by themselves might not be all that great. But they mm -hmm. could widen the gene pool and you never know what they might pop in outcrosses. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for we, you know, we just, uh, you know, CSI, who knows where the ABC work will go. Yeah. Uh, that's still in its infancy as you start hybridizing it with things and adding those genes in and making polyhybrids with it. So 
to me, some of the most value, if anything from the eighties or early nineties survived, even if by itself, it's not that great. Uh, it might have traits or things that you add into something really inbred yeah. and you get something surprising. Yeah. Because you never know how terpenes will modify other terpenes or thiolic expressions. You never know. And with new and novel expressions, or maybe they weren't new and novel in the eighties, but they're back to being new and novel now. And that yeah. you never know how that'll change and modify stuff. And, you know, one of the things about breeding is you tend to get good results when you cross things that, that are very dissimilar to each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so taking something that hasn't been really worked with much since the eighties or early nineties and isn't in a lot of this Kush Skittles, cookies, whatever yeah. blends of things, it might pop some new and cool things in that yeah. regard. So, you know, all in all, uh, I thought he was a wealth of information. I Absolutely. thought he was super engaging and pleasant. He seemed like an older version of us, yeah. uh, so, you know? He did. Uh, so that made it like really fun and relaxing to chat with him about everything. Sure. Um, he seems willing to maybe do some more. And so there's, I'm sure there's a lot of history uh, and experiences that he's seen uh, that's right up our alley. So, you know, no promises, but we'll see what comes of it. Yeah. Uh, and in closing, yeah, I think, I think we learned a lot. I think there was a lot of things that weren't very well publicly known that he clarified. And so not only from a historical perspective, but for the current, uh, I think it was it was really a, it was really a good interview. Yeah, I was really really stoked to uh, be able to speak with him. It was it was it was one of those few times where it's someone that you've always wanted to interview and speak to, and they weren't a complete disappointment. It was absolutely an honor. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed listening to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit strange. It's two part, uh, and, uh, we'll see how things go, but we hope to be able to bring you some more of some of the pioneers in cannabis and their view on things and how we got to where we are. So, you know, thanks and peace, everyone. Thank you.